1: Hey! Hey! What'd you think? About what? Did, did you get my text? Oh! Hey, welcome back to another episode of Did You Get My Text? I'm Patton
2: Oswald. I'm Meredith Salinger. How do we know we're welcoming them back? Maybe they're first-time listeners.
1: Well, if you're a first-time listener, how dare you wait this long <laughs> to listen to our podcast. Hi, we everybody. have no respect for you. Crawl away. It's too late. You can't get in. I really want to Hang on. I'm closing the velvet rope. You're not getting into Studio 54. Cher, Truman, you can come in. This little looky lude, No. All right, go ahead.
2: I want to take a poll of who's doing laundry, who's driving, who's at work and not doing their work and just like playing crossword puzzles (laughs) on their computer and listening to a podcast. Because people listen to podcasts.
1: Oh, I listen to podcasts when I'm doing – especially when I'm doing like mindless stuff, constantly listen to podcasts.
2: Well, what if you were doing mindful things like homework? Then don't listen to a podcast. Right. I walked in the other day and I saw Alice listening to a podcast – and she's doing her homework.
1: I can actually listen to podcasts while I do my crosswords. That's okay. one thing I can do. Oh, I can't. But uh, yeah, I, I but, need to have but, full but, focus. Laundry, driving, and uh, dishes. Oh, amazing! It's my we laundry. We do segments to. where there. Here's our laundry segment for when you're doing your laundry. Here's our driving segment. Here's a
2: question about laundry. Do you guys fold like? Do you ball your socks into little pairs? Like, do you fold the top over and make it into a little? thing or do you fold them? Patton likes to take his socks and then just fold them together. I like to make them into a little...
1: But when you ball them, you stretch out the elastic at the top and then they don't fit as good.
2: But if you ball them enough so that the elastic part goes completely over and then it like retains its shape again.
1: But the act of the the act of balling it over time... Okay, you're right. Yeah.
2: Um, How's your day, Patton?
1: Oh my goodness. Actually, no, my day's been pretty horrible. I'm still in my stupid cast and uh, Well,
2: actually, your cast is gone. Now you're in a boot.
1: I'm in a boot now. And the,
2: and the boot is a removable boot so that you can take a shower. Yeah. And if you feel like sleeping without it, you can. But when you're not wearing it, I've noticed that your little ankle starts to twist in the wrong direction.
1: What if I let my foot heal in the wrong way and I have this really cool limp and I got to walk around with a sword cane?
2: You already look, have weird walking. You already have weird enough things I'm, I'm about yourself. I'm weird enough
1: looking. I don't need to add anything. I else. I think
2: you've got you've got yeah.
1: You're good. I want to look like a scary Charles Dickens character that the, you've the, done the, it. That the children throw snowballs at as he I don't walks. Think, you don't need he a impediment. You don't
2: think you need an extra impediment put to these, him. it. Put these put these urchins in debtor's prison.
1: Um, I, did you get my text?
2: Um, I've gotten many. Which are you referring well, to?
1: Well, I sent you this really sweet text. Uh, from a guy named Gary Larson. Gary Larson, as oh, you know, I did. wrote and drew the fabulous Far Side comic strip all through the 80s. Uh, he is since retired um, and does a lot of work with um, wildlife and animals. He's, a, he's just a genuinely great guy. So he did a comic strip a long time ago uh, called Hell's Video Store. It was published on September 25th, 1991. September 25th was my brother's birthday.
2: Oh, really? Huh. Never been to a birthday party of his. Yeah, he doesn't last... really.
1: Well, you no, know, he did one.
2: He did, and he didn't invite me. Remember, we talked about it on the podcast. Exactly. It was at an Italian restaurant. Everyone was invited, but me. And you <laughs> said it was like a guy's night. And then I found out later that there were like all these girls there too. Well, it was
1: all the writers from MST3K.
2: Oh no! It, it was
1: all these nerds talking about movies. You would have, you would have, you you would have walked into traffic, the way we were all talking. But then this guy, so William Bodine. Remember when he did? So he when he, uh, you, it, it would have killed you.
2: Uh, I- I didn't care that I didn't go. I'm just saying it would have been nice to have been invited to All my right. brother-in-law's birthday. But that's cool. That just gives me an out yep. for not inviting anyone there to There you go. Stuff.
1: Anyway, so the comic is called Hell's Video Store, and it's people uh, in a video store in hell. There's flames. There's a devil checking people out. The only available movie is Ishtar. So that's the joke. Oh, yeah, Hell's there's- Video Store. When Ishtar. you look
2: at the picture, it's uh, rows and rows of videos to check out, and every single one of them says Ishtar on it.
1: Ishtar. And then he just wrote this. But, I but, love no, this but, so what's much. the caption? It just says Hell's Video Store. Oh. So this is the video store in Hell. So then he just wrote this letter about this strip, this old strip, which is, you know, more than, my God, it's 21 years old now. But to whom it may concern. When I drew the above cartoon, I had not actually seen Ishtar. I only knew or sensed that it had entered the film industry lexicon as a major turkey. Years later, I saw it on an airplane and was stunned at what was happening to me. I was being entertained. Sure, maybe it's not the greatest film ever made, but my cartoon was way off the mark. There are so many cartoons for which I should probably write an apology, but this is the only one that compels me to do so. So just that idea of as you get older and things that sometimes... You maybe went along with the crowd or you went along with the zeitgeist like, yeah, this thing sucks. But then as you get older, you kind of look at it and go, wait a minute. I didn't really know where I was speaking. I was just kind of – I was going along with the atmosphere of everything.
2: Right. It's sort of like there's always that one thing that comedians all over the place usually have that same punchline about things like, oh, it's uh, – you know, they'll – I've said this before. Everybody chooses the band Foghat to make it. They're like, oh, but, you know, it's not Foghat or something right. like that. And I don't think I've ever even heard. Have I heard Foghat? What have they sung? Slow Ride. Oh, I love that Slow song. Slow Ride. Okay, Foghat's great. Yeah. F-
1: by the way, Foghat is great.
2: Right, okay. But, yeah. you know, or, or like, for example, um, Steve Gutenberg. A lot of people make fun of, like, Steve <laughs> Gutenberg. They use him as, like, uh, oh, Steve Gutenberg. I don't know why or how comedians do that thing, but they do it. Have you watched wonderful movies? That, did you see Cocoon?
1: He did a look, he did a bunch of great movies. It's that thing of when you become ubiquitous, and, you, and he was there were a couple of years, he was just everywhere. So then there's always gonna be a backlash.
2: Right. So I think people then do that thing where it's like, oh, Steve Gutenberg. And I'm like, fuck you, he's awesome, he's adorable, and he was great. Don't be mean.
1: Yeah. And if you watch movies like Diner, And Cocoon. I mean, my gosh. You know, he was especially, also, he didn't look like he was trying to be a star. He he just just looked like this normal guy. That's why he was so good in movies like The Bedroom Window. He's a perfect Hitchcockian lead in that he just, he's a normal guy that almost looks like He's out of his own element being in movies. He's like, what the na- hell is going
2: on here? He's just natural. He's, he's just, very natural. He's very natural. But so, yes, there are things that people just say when they actually haven't seen all the things. Yes. And so they'll, they'll comment even if they don't know. And actually, it's like a terrible thing. People do that clickbait thing where the headline of the article
0: mm-hmm. says
2: something And then they share the article and you're like, did you read the article? Because it actually says the opposite. You're you're forwarding something that you think you're making a point with. But if you read the article, it's the opposite of your point you're trying to make. People just don't take the time.
1: Well, also, because it's so much easier to shorthand things. And sometimes it can be kind of funny, but sometimes it can be really, really tragic. I mean, a funny version of that, uh, there's a great comedian named Shane Torres. I've talked about him before. He does a great bit about... Why do people hate on Guy Fieri and yeah, worship that's Anthony Bourdain? Exactly, exactly, and he's really breaks down what a genuinely awesome human being Guy Fieri is. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that he he's um, it, um, officiated a bunch of different gay weddings. He, he he designed a show that specifically goes out and targets tiny little businesses with no advertising budget, gives them all kinds of exposure, keeps them going. Like but he's yet done he's nothing but of good stuff. Yeah.
2: Or people are like, "Ew, Guy Fieri," but why? Is it because of his shirt or hair? Or- I
1: think it's a combination of a lot of his. Um, there's a there's a very um, notorious review of his restaurant in Manhattan, where um, they really ripped apart like how heavy and calorie laden the food is, and it was just like that. I forgot who wrote it, but it's a, it, it kind of went viral, and, and um, it reminds me of how I've come around on um, the Insane Clown Posse. I used to. I encountered them when I was at Woodstock 99. I kind of, I was, I, they were following the roots. So the roots had really? come off stage. Yeah, and then they were setting up, and their guys were so, their roadies and their crew were just loud and mean. It just They were mean? It just felt gross. The whole thing felt gross. So I kind of wrote, and then I, I went along with the zeitgeist of like, oh, insane clown posse, bunch of idiots, bunch of, you know, violent, Racist, whatever, but homophobic, they weren't, right? But they're not only. Well, here's the thing or about Insane they? Clown Posse. No, they're not. It, well, here's th- Insane Clown Posse did do some things early on in their career, but then they have come out and gone, "Hey, that was dumb. What we did, we need to keep growing. We need to keep bringing mm-hmm. more people in." And they, more than a lot of other um, groups that that say that they're doing it, really appeal to and try to reach out to the outcasts and the unloved and the people that are inarticulate and can't socialize. And they're trying to give them a place where they're accepted. And everyone that I've ever known, every comedian I know that's gone and um, done the gathering of the Juggalos, are like, well, I'm just doing this for money. And then they get there and go, it was actually kind of nice. Like, Everyone's every, really sweet to was, each other. Everybody was really supportive. And yeah, there's a lot of dirt bags, But a lot of the times, a lot of the reason that they are quote unquote dirtbags is because they don't have financial means. They've never been um, given opportunities, and they've never been shown or told that they matter. They've always been shit on, and they found the one thing where it's like, no, you actually – you matter. You can do something with your life. So there's something kind of – and also the other thing – someone else pointed this out to me. People who say they hate – Insane Clown Posse's music.
2: I've never heard of it. Exactly.
1: my This guy pointed out to me, he's like, wait a minute. They don't get played on the radio. They don't. They, they sell their albums th- themselves through their website or at their shows. If you're hating the Insane Clown Posse's music, it means you're going out of your way. To find their music. They're not trying... To force their music on anyone, it's just for their fans. So to say, well, I God, I hate their music. You've never heard it because it doesn't get played anywhere. It's only for if anything, they have a more of a punk rock ethos than most punk bands. A lot of punk bands are still on major labels, and, and Insane Clown Posse like we're just going to put it out ourselves and just sell it to our own people. Hmm. Like like, there's something kind of so there. I don't know. There's something really, and they canceled a couple of their gathering of the juggalos during COVID because they're like, this isn't safe. It's going to hurt our fans. Oh. We're not going to do it. Whereas other people were just, yeah, let's do a show. I don't care. So I just, there's always that. Um, go ahead. Sorry.
2: Just because I hold up my finger to say that I have a point to make. You don't have oh. to stop and acknowledge that I'm holding up my finger and say sorry. <laughs> I was just, I wanted you to be aware that I had a point to make. So when you came but, to but a. But
1: I'm really sorry that I was talking when you had an idea. Please, <laughs> when you came talk, to a natural say. stop, I figured oh. I
2: would say what I'm about to say right now.
1: That you're a juggalo. I you're a ha- juggalette.
2: I'm a juggalette. <laughs> Go ahead. I actually do love putting on clown makeup.
1: Oh my god, that is true. You do.
2: I think it's fun. Yeah. But um, you know, you know, for reasons like like you're going to a party that's a dress up yeah. party, <laughs> not just like your everyday thing. <laughs> but I think that's pretty cool that a band is so beloved by their fans that they get people to actually um, dress like that and do their faces like that. And it's more of a lifestyle like an all-the-time thing, not just – do they do it just for the concert or they do it all the time everywhere they go? They look like that. I mean,
1: every time I've seen interviews with them, they've got the makeup on. I mean, I think it's like a kiss thing where, well, if we're doing media, we got the makeup on or, you know.
2: Right, but they don't just walk around in the market like, oh, i got to go marketing, honey.
1: I don't think – no. And and, and both of those guys –
2: the are there only two? There's two of them. That's it?
1: Yeah. The whole posse's two? Well, it's two guys and they have a whole band with them and then I mean it's almost like it's like a nation. It Wait. Is...
2: The insane clown posse right. are Juggalos.
1: They're yeah, their their fans are called juggalos.
2: Right. Just like be, the believers are Justin Bieber's <laughs> fans. Yes exactly. And Beyonce's Beehive and Yeah.
1: Wow, what if that's how society um, fractures up in the future? It's all depends on what pop star you follow, and that's who you—
2: Well, it kind of is. I mean, it's like, you know, if you're a Trumpian kind of a person, yeah. that's who you follow. And I,
1: I would say—I will but say— nobody's
2: calling, you know—I mean, I guess I have a shirt that says Obama Mama.
1: <laughs> I, I think... mean, I will say in the post-apocalypse, I would absolutely immediately become a juggalo because those guys will be able to survive. That's but... the tribe you want to be with are the juggalos. Yeah,
2: but they're going to run out of makeup.
1: You know what? They'll find. They'll. They'll use. They'll use ashes from collapsed buildings, and they'll. They'll do something. But, but like I said, yeah, their fans love them, and they seem to genuinely love their fans and being around them. And it's again, that was a thing that I went along with the Zeitgeist with of yeah, those guys suck. And then the more I read about them, and the more that so I so you were just saying
2: they suck just because you thought they because everyone
1: else was just like yeah, and, so and, you're just it, a it, sheep,
2: man. You're just following the crowd. Well.
1: In my defense, I had kind of encountered them back in Woodstock '99, and it was a, it left a sour taste in my mouth. Oh, they
2: weren't being nice. Um,
1: I didn't encounter them directly; just their whole vibe. It gave me a bad vibe. You got but, scared. But th- but then again, were you scared? No, I was grossed out. There was a lot of Fago. What does that, that mean? That they, they spray a lot of um. They, there's this, there's this soda called Fago, and they spray it all over their fans because it's a it's, it's is a it local, like a Red Bull? It's like a local Detroit cheap soda. It's like this emblematic of like I can't afford the good stuff. We drink Fago. Because like that's the that's the is Pabst Blue
2: Ribbon a uh, a good beer?
1: I don't know. Is isn't it from Milwaukee?
2: I don't know. But I just anyway, asked because I was somewhere the other day and someone was like, I, I, "You want a beer?" and they handed me a Pabst Blue Ribbon and I'd never seen one before, and I was so proud to take a picture with it because I thought the can was cool and I looked like a beer drinker. Well,
1: it's it's a and it's I'm a not, hipster beer.
2: I'm not. Is it a hipster beer? Oh yes. Is it really?
1: Because it's this it's that faux um, poverty. Like, look, I'm drinking. I'm working man and also because of the movie blue velvet.
2: Oh, I didn't notice. When,
1: when um Dennis Miller D- Dennis Hopper says <laughs> Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller. Hey babe, you want yeah. you want
2: a Pops hey,
1: Blue Ribbon? Ba- baby wants to fuck. <gasps> huh?
2: Ew, don't say no. Chat, ch-
1: baby wants to fuck, chat chat. Um so uh no, there's a scene where he asks Kyle McLaughlin. Dennis Hopper goes, "Hey, you want a beer? What do you drink?" And Kyle goes, "Heineken." He goes, "Heineken. Fuck that shit. Pops Blue Ribbon." And then that became this <laughs> kind of um, rallying cry. But um, no, That my encounter, and it was just a glancing encounter with the Insane Clown Posse it was back in 99 when I was... By the way, it was also... Co- Again, this was all false. It was all colored by the fact that I was at Woodstock 99 covering it for, um, I think, MTV. It was ho- it was a horrible experience. I hated everyone there. I hated everyone because the whole thing was so ugly and gross. And then... But then, then as the years went by and I talked to friends and... You you get older, but like I love the insane clown pots and I love everything they stand for.
2: But you don't know you don't know what their music is. I have no idea and I don't it doesn't matter. <laughs> Can because I just, say I, just I just see how they treat their fans and it's like that's how
1: you should treat that's how you should comport yourself as a as an artist.
2: I think you would look really great if you dressed up as a juggalo. I think you I would. You'd look you'd have the you have the look for it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's take a break, we'll come right back. Okay. Welcome back to Did You Get My Text? Pat Noswell has more things he'd like to say about what we were just talking about. Well, I just
1: wanted us to both talk about things that we've had second thoughts about where we admit that marriage, oh.
2: marriage, marriage. <laughs> I have second thoughts. It's way too much responsibility for me. I want out. <laughs> I do not want out, but boy, dear Lord, to all the single people out there, I have to say it's awesome being single. The are, freedom- are you shouting out to all the single ladies? <laughs> All, all single the, all ladies? The single ladies? All, single all the single ladies. ladies. All... Should they put their hands up? Put your hands up? Um, really, the minute I got married, <laughs> not the minute, but like the first week of being married, I called my brilliant, beautiful, smart, fabulous single friends. And I was like, you guys,
1: <laughs> just want you to know,
2: like you do not need to get married. This is not something anyone needs to do. It's a lot of responsibility. Just live your life. Just like date who you want. <laughs> If you like someone, like, just like them. But, like, don't live with them. Don't, like, have to plan their schedule. Don't have to be there when they break their foot.
1: (laughs) By the way, I need you to scrub me later. I need my shower.
2: Oh, my God, you guys. Everybody (laughs) listening, I have to tell you something super gross. Just listen. Uh. So, yeah, Patton had his little cast thingy do. And his little foot got all dry and he's like oh. I need this special sock with this special cream and he was like honey can you get that cream for me and da, da, da. so i came downstairs and i handed you that little tube of of like foot calming healing mm-hmm. cream and i handed it to you and you go can you put it on for me <laughs> and i literally was like oh my god and i like was just like be a good wife be a good wife don't be grossed (laughs) out don't act like this is gross and I like put it and I like totally gave you a foot massage and I was so loving and gentle and and I put the little sock over it and I was so and then I went and washed my hands really well and then I called my mom and I told her and she's like "Uh," I and she said I I I said I did it she goes oh god that's disgusting (laughs) and I was like mom
1: it's well, the worst. Thank you for not telling her that I made you wear that handmaid's outfit, but it was such a turn-on. It was such a turn-on to to have you under my eye. Uh. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, stuff that I, – when I read that Gary Larson thing, it really hit me how many things I have gone along with uh, in the zeitgeist that then later on I realized, oh, no, I was just going along with whatever. I was doing the lazy shorthand shit and not – actually reading about what was going on and go well actually no it's more like this um, the two big the two big ones and I was there one year uh, uh, Marsha Clark I remember uh, during the OJ trial Marsha Clark it was just the thing of like oh my god she's so incompetent oh she blew that what you know whatever blah 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 and then I was there at the Emmys the year that um, Sarah Paulson won for uh in, in, is it the United States versus – O.J. versus the United States or that, that – Whatever, minister, the O.J. Did. show that she went for. And she apologized to uh, Marcia Clark. She was like, I, along with I think a lot of people in this room, uh, went along with the, the, the little thumbnail sketch of, oh, you were this – but the more I've read about what you went through and what you actually did, like, you were operating at the top of your game. It was – the whole thing was stacked against you. And it was this really – it was a really humbling thing where, you know – It was like Marsha Clark had to kind of eat that for a decade. Mm -hmm. And then finally people came around to like, Mm -hmm. oh, wait a minute. No, this isn't, you know. Um, And same with –
2: Can you imagine being the person
1: that has (sighs) people
2: thinking about you? And it it happens a lot. And there's this also just, you know, I don't want to get into it, but like cancel culture and all that stuff. Like people will get targeted and it's over and they never really get to explain their side or uh, where it was coming from or anything like that. And it's – everybody's so quick to – dismiss and or judge and hurt and
1: that's what's kind of interesting because now we're seeing the other end of that pendulum where now people are coming out the other side and there's a there's a bit of a public humbling in terms of oh we all rushed we rushed onto the hashtag we rushed onto the meme and didn't actually get the whole story I and mean,
2: all society right now is like yes that. Exactly. everybody's hopping on anything yeah. I think everybody's just like, well, I guess over the world, people are just so on edge. They're just ready to be like, this is bad. Point to that and don't think of other things. Or right. it's a distracting mechanism, too, for, you know.
1: But the the other uh, – two of the other big ones uh, were um... – I mean, let me just point out very,
2: very quickly that when they were investigating the January 6th insurrection and they were investigating Ted Cruz for his part in it um, – It was so interesting that every tweet that he made was like, Patton Oswalt, and he would, like, try to do a (laughs) Patton And you're like, dude, you're a fucking senator. Why are you, like, he's so, it's like, look that way, look that way, point to anything else but the hell that I'm going through and all the evil stuff I've done. And then, you know, and then all his... I can't imagine he has fans but like the people who, I, I don't think I don't think he has fans in his like fa- I don't think he has
1: fans in his family. Oh, they don't. His no. poor
2: daughter. Li- anyway, but people push off to the other things so as not to
1: Yeah, but but I'm talking about like now it's been really interesting to see the the rehabilitation of people like um uh, Monica Lewinsky and Britney Spears and those were two people that as a comedian we Went along with that. Oh, Brittany is crazy, and Monica, you know, and you know, Monica Lewin and Monica Lewinsky has completely come around to it. And, and talk about being so timely about. Oh, you want to talk about like bullying and mm-hmm. public uh, shaming and cancel culture? Like, sh- I, if anything. If 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 we're in the punk era of cancel culture, she was the Ramones. She had to do it first. She had to carry her own amps. She had like she had like seven people in the audience. She had to forge that path herself. Same with like Britney Spears. How oh she's crazy. But then you look back on it, and her shaving her head bald was such an amazing act of defiance against. What her she handlers was going And against the people that are trying to control her. It's amazing that at the time everyone went, oh, she's crazy. Well, like,
2: everyone made her look crazy. All her handlers were trying –
1: Yes, to, so they could so control her. So that they her. could control her. But it's amazing that at the time, because they could control the narrative, now when you look at the narrative, any so-called um, alt-musician, alt-comedian, punk rock culture jammer should look at that as the, one of the most emblematic, ballsiest – punk rock moves ever. Like, why isn't that as held up as the... You you were at the top of your game as a pop princess and you shaved your head like, fuck, you got That was amazing. Yeah. Like, that's so admirable that she did that.
2: Well, she didn't do it to be admirable. She was at her wit's end and it was, you know... It was an emotional, like, fuck this. Fuck all of you. But it I can't was, take it anymore. But yes. Look, even
1: though it was emotional, there was brilliance behind it, though. Because she's like, if I'm going to be a this blonde, there was no pop, pre-meditated, princess. There was no
2: premeditation to it. But I'm but, saying
1: there's a, there's a subconscious genius to it. Because she goes, if I'm going to be this blonde, bubblegum angel, guess what? I'm The blonde hair's gone now. Now what are you going to do with me? Because I know that I'm the ATM machine for you assholes. So I just took that away. Now what are you going to do? Like, there is something really... Amazing and defiant about that. I love that, you know. So you know, and and it also makes me wonder when we rush to worship somebody and mass. Um, sometimes does that penny fall the other way? For like, for instance, with Andrew Cuomo, everyone's like, "Oh my God, he's the anti-Trump. He's amazing. He's the best." And then, oh, but yikes, all this, and now he's coming out with this: "We got to cancel crime. We got to can't like." Oh, uh, I just, just be careful. I'm just saying, be careful when you worship someone. Be careful when you pillory someone.
0: There are
2: levels to everyone. Mm-hmm. There's always there are people who do wonderful things. There are people who do that. People are a multitude of personalities and 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 behaviors, and and to be so black and white about it. You know, it's mm-hmm. that separate the artist from the man thing. Separate mm-hmm. the politician from the act they did. I mean, for Christ's sake, Howard Dean went yeehaw, and he fucking lost the <laughs> presidency. Yeah, it's it's people have to allow for the humanity of a person, and unless you're doing harm to someone else, yeah, you know, allow for the mistakes that are everyone makes, but they don't get it doesn't get put on you because you're not the target of. The attention
1: yeah but there's very little humanity and amusement and distraction that's the problem right now so you know that that's what that's where we get into trouble
2: so speaking of Monica Lewinsky she did a tweet the other day that I saw that I very much related to she said uh something along the lines she showed a picture of a, a pile of tangled necklaces <laughs> and she yeah. wrote this is where I'll be for the next five hours or whatever right with her um safety pins to help undo them. Mm -hmm. And perhaps a lot of people don't know, but most people who have skinny necklaces know how tangled they can get or they get knots. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking at this thing going, right, there needs to be an infomercial where there's got to be a better way. (laughs) (laughs) Where, Where somebody can say, are your necklaces tangled like this? Well, use this product and in three, two, one, untangled. Right. And then all these people started writing comments like, hey, this is how you do it. So...
1: So they had people were giving her tips on, here's how you untangle them.
2: Yes. And one of the tips was put the necklaces in a shallow bowl of water. They'll float. The little knots will float, and you can separate them easier with your tweezers or safety pins or whatever. And then one guy said, dental tools are a great thing to use to untangle necklaces with. So immediately I went on Amazon. And did you know you could buy dental tools for like... $10-ish.
1: Right. Something like that. Wait a minute. That sounds a little shady, though. It does. It sounds a Shouldn't they cost more than $10? You'd
2: think they'd cost more, so I called my dad, who's a dentist. Uh Uh-huh. And I was like, Dad, does this seem shady to you? And he said, usually they're more than that. Yeah. He said, but they are just stainless steel tools. Huh. And, you know, I would imagine some people make them better than others, but, you know, dental tools, those just basic ones... Can be like thirty bucks.
1: I'm just I'm flashing on Nick Swornson's bit about the hamburger that's twenty five cents, and they're at like twenty five cents. It's like, wait, why is it twenty five <laughs> cents? Because a gumball is twenty five cents. What did you do to this thing so that I only have to pay you a quarter? I don't want this. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: uh, yeah, what is it?
1: By the way, here's a weird little side thing. Um, when the first hot dogs, I think it was at Nathan's. Um, they were $0.05, cents and they were not selling because people were thought- like, why is it only $0.05? Right. They raised the price to $0.15, cents and they hired some local doctors to go and be seen buying hot dogs in their Doctor uniforms, and then people went, "Oh, okay, they're okay." Like in other words, sometimes when things things are too cheap, people are like, I, "I don't want that." Right. You have to make it cost a little more, and then they'll trust it.
2: I would say I'm victim to that because I have gone online sometimes to look oh. for certain items. <laughs>
1: that is half your life is buying. You're not going to believe. I found a pair of Nikes, and they're only eight dollars, they come and it's like two pieces of cardboard stapled to a rubber band. Like, what the hell is this? Of course, it is.
2: Well, but things like you could get uh, a product, I don't know, maybe a pad of paper even, maybe a, like, watercolor paper, and you go online and you're like, well, this watercolor paper is, like, a dollar for the whole pad, and this watercolor paper is $13 for the whole pad. Well, clearly that paper is better. And, you know, like, you go to the dollar store, yeah, and then the same, but it's the same thing. You're right. But in those moments, I'm like, oh, well, that dollar paper is probably not very good. I should get the $13 paper.
1: But, yeah, but you never know. But you never Cause, know. Because sometimes – I remember when, when I go – when I buy wine, there are certain bottles of wine because of the label and because of the company, it's $50, 60 but if luckily, if you go to a place like Silver Lake Wine, the, those are like – there's like indie record store clerks going I know that this is the one that everyone likes but there's this eight dollar bottle here that's the, and it's so, so amazing and no one knows about it right and no one buys it because they see eight dollars and they' like there's no way it's good right and it's actually great right so you know you just have to know who you're. it just comes from experience Monica Lewinsky is the queen of uh, is a, is the queen of a certain era certain area of Twitter I, I love her so much where people will t- especially young people will talk about their lives. And it's so helpful that she's there to go. No matter what you're going through, uh, it is will not equal the hell I went through, and I'm okay now. She
2: said something that was so she's funny. So she said, funny. Um, "What's the worst bit of advice you got?" And then it was like that an internship will be good for your career. That
1: was, well, <laughs> here's one. So here's uh, someone named Beck Kubrick tweeted this is the last year. Question time. I'm 22, and people like to tell me how young I am and how much time I've got to figure things out, even if I don't feel like I do. So, what were you up to around 22? And how has your life, ch- has your life changed since then? And then Monica replies, pulls up a chair. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she is very funny.
1: And she's got a great... That's how you come out the other side of a forest of razor blades. If you can come out like Monica Lewinsky with this Jedi knowledge about everything, she just seems... She just seems um, endlessly cool because of what she had to go through.
2: Yeah, she was yeah. Put in a. She was put in a bad position. I mean, oh there's boy. many things we could say about that situation, but she did end up. Uh, yeah. Doing well after that, you, I guess she did. I think we should take a bait. Wait, wait, cut that, Kyle. Cut <laughs> no, that. leave no, it. No. Let's take a bait. Let's take a bait. Let's take the bait. Let's take no, the bait. No, just cut that. It's stupid. No, um, it isn't. Fuck you. It's adorable. If I say cut something, he has to cut something. I disagree. Well, what are we gonna do now? Now we're we can't...
1: Gonna, We're gonna take a bait.
2: <laughs> um hey guys. While Patton and I fight, we will be right back and we will um, take a break. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. We are going to listen to some of your speak pipes and answer your comments and questions.
0: Hi, Meredith and Patton. I am a huge, huge, huge fan. I've been binging all of your episodes since the beginning because I only found out maybe a month ago or so that you guys even had this podcast. So I just listen to the episode where you talked about going to Starbucks and I can't help but call in because I have to tell you, there is an explanation for why the tall is called the tall, even though it's the smallest. That's because there is also a short size. The short is the size you would think of. If you get just like a shot of espresso, that would be the short and then the tall is a larger espresso. Compared to the short and then so in italy they just have the short and the tall But here in america, we needed more coffee So they added the grande which is just big and then the venti which is italian for 20 So it's 20 ounces. So there you go. That's why it's tall grande venti 'Cause us Americans need more coffee, and that was Leslie's Starbucks rabbit. Hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh. ah,
2: Leslie, that is so. First of all, you're adorable. Second of all, thank you. That was you. a very
1: chill voice. It was
2: very. This um, is Leslie, and I've been It was very um, informative. I didn't realize it was uh, Italian based, and how cool that is. And Starbucks just sounds like such an American brand. You wouldn't think they'd be so. Um, European with their choice of words. But again, because we're Americans, why don't we just do super tiny, small. Medium, large. <laughs>
1: well, I'm going to argue that they're doing a very American thing in that small is not listed on the menu. You have to know to ask for it if you want a better cappuccino. Why do from... we have to
2: be on an insider club? Because to know Americans these love
1: that shit. They love they love the fact like if you go to In and Out Burger, if you say animal style, then they put onions on it. Like they love secret stuff. They love being it's part of a club. It's actually just in lettuce,
2: right? Hmm? Animal style isn't that just in lettuce no, and
1: not means, a bun? No, it means uh, you you. you in lettuce just means don't use a bun, but animal style means they put onions on it.
2: What really? Yeah. Are you sure? Because um, that yes. doesn't seem like it would, because those aren't animals.
1: That's they call animal. All, all animals love roasted onions <laughs> with their meat. You know that. You ever see the things of the Serengeti when the when the lions bring down a gazelle? They always roast some onions first. Well, it tastes <laughs> they better. It, it Tastes so much better.
2: Um, yeah, but like coffee bean, I think you can get a a strawberry. Shake it's not on the yeah, menu or something like that.
1: Lo- Americans love to feel like they're the special insider one, and any restaurant worth its salt, any chain, will have weird off-the-menu Does stuff. Does
2: McDonald's have some sort of weird off-its-chain thing?
1: Uh, I think if you order it clown-style, they serve <laughs> it to you in a giant shoe. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Starbucks is a very American company. For God's sake, it's named after Moby Dick's, So
2: It is? Yeah,
1: the first made on the Pequod is named Starbucks. That's where they got that name.
2: Well, I didn't know that. Is that why the little girl on the yeah, – their the, logo is that um, That's the mermaid. mermaid?
1: That's, that's the um, um, figurehead on the Pequot. C-
2: did you ever see that Saturday Night Live or somehow some kind of skit where they showed <laughs> – Or
1: somehow some kind of skit. I don't
2: know. I don't know if it was set SNL, but they they were like uh, widening out from the mermaid logo. hmm and because her fins go up on either side of her, mm-hmm. like it's her face, and then you see her tail mm-hmm. behind her, but it kind of looks like if she had two legs, she kind of like spreads <laughs> her legs open and puts them behind her head. Yikes. Have you seen that? No. It's pretty funny.
0: Um, um all right. Leslie,
2: thank you, because yeah. really, you just made it. Now I can like understand, now that I understand the reasons why, I will be so much more inclined to order it properly from now on. Go
1: get a short, Go get, give me a cappuccino short. You don't cappuccino. get a cappuccino
2: short, baby. You yeah. get a, a espresso.
1: But just ask for a, either espresso macchiato or just a, a short cappuccino. It'll it'll it's a better cup of coffee. You trust me, you'll like it. I mean
2: a shot would be like super tiny. Like a like a shot. It's
1: it's the it's the way you actually know cap Just trust me. Just go give me a short cappuccino.
2: Okay, fine. And All did right. you know that espresso has uh
1: less, less caffeine, caffeine than coffee because they roasted out of it. That's why it's dark roasted and a lot of the caffeine gets sweated out.
2: I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: That's why espresso is an after-dinner drink. In
2: Coffee Italy. is a big... It's a whole thing. It's a yeah. culture. It's a the culture, pale coffee beans culture. The
1: have all the
2: caffeine in them.
1: That's when everyone goes, oh, I don't want an espresso. Just give me a house blend. And then they're just jittering because they just had the most caffeine they've ever had. I mean,
2: had. I just like the way it tastes. with it's so it, yummy. But that's because I put a lot of sugar in uh,
1: it. Yeah. yeah. Ba- Look, if if someone melted a scoop of coffee ice cream and gave it to you, you wouldn't know the difference between <laughs> you and the cup of coffee that you have. That's just true. heat up some coffee ice cream. Okay. Um,
0: Leslie, thanks for that. Let's that's hear another Leslie. one. Hi. This is Marissa in Honolulu. And Patton, I would like to know, will the penguins be coming back? It was a wonderful series that came out at just the right time. And penguins are the new meerkats. So I am keeping my fingers crossed and hope to see them on TV again soon.
2: Marissa, aloha. Thanks for calling from Hawaii. We love Hawaii. Um, Yes, that what was the name of the penguin show, honey? Penguin Town. Penguin Town. And it and it was like the new Meerkat Manor, which was yeah. an amazing series yeah. following a family of meerkats that I loved so much. And then you were you narrated a show called Penguin Town that yes. Alice and I watched and we loved. And everyone I know who watched it loved it.
1: It was a it was a very bizarre thing watching seeing Meredith and Alice watching the show. Because they would watch it uh, one episode at a time. I had recorded the whole thing over during the COVID uh, shutdown from the house. And I knew a lot of the plot twists. So when they would ask me things, and I I didn't want to... I would always lean on the, oh, I don't want to spoil the plot stuff. But I knew that there was some bad stuff.
2: Well, it does become a very dramatic series. And real things happen to these guys. Like, you know... Mrs. B. The mom dies, and it's really sad. and Junior. Jr. Anyway, there were all these char- characters. There are all these little penguin guys, and it was such a stressful show. I'm like, oh, God, don't cross the road. Don't cross the road. <laughs> yes, yeah. And it was just too stressful to watch, actually. It was so real. Yeah. I mean, it was real. It was a documentary. That's what they're going through, yeah. Right. But these poor little penguins. They're so sweet. They're so sweet, and they have such strife But it's also, and challenges. It's
1: also so because if you've ever seen March of the Penguins, which is a gorgeous film, but this one is so striking because these are penguins who come to a South African beach town in the summer. So seeing these penguins, who you're used to seeing against Arctic wastelands, but now uh, here they are in in front of shops and stores and people tanning on the beach, and then they're just going about their lives. It's very weird to see penguins in a warm, sunny environment. It was very strange.
2: Well, the first penguins I actually saw in real life were in Hawaii. Really? Yeah, they there are warm there are warm penguins I didn't know that They don't have to. There
1: are penguins in Hawaii?
2: Yes. Wow. Um, I didn't know. That's the first time I you ever sure saw You sure you
1: didn't see them at a zoo?
2: They were not at a zoo.
1: They were just out and about.
2: They weren't out and about. Where were they? We were at a hotel and they like they, little, they were checking in. They were checking in. It was a
1: white lotus situation the one the big emperor penguin wanted the room the with pe- the hot The pineapple tub. room. Yeah, he wanted the pineapple room. The pineapple suite. Yep.
2: Um, yeah, and his wife. The, anyway. Um, no, I saw them. They, there was like a hotel that we stayed at in Hawaii, and there was an a area that was all nature and ponds and lakes and tropical stuff, and they had penguins living in there. Wow. It was pretty cool. Wow. But that was a great series, and I loved that you got to be part of it. When you narrated it, did you watch the whole series? Did you watch it as yeah. you narrated it? I
1: watched as I narrated it, and they had the stuff written out. Well, like,
2: Were you going to cry?
1: There was um there's a specific episode near the end where I got really really it was a little hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know the one. Yeah. And also by the way also early on junior was very you know abandoned kid felt really sad. Like I got really
2: wound oh, up. Sure. Oh I cried. Yeah. I also had to take a break from it for a while cuz it was a bit too stressful for me. Oh, Alice my... and I were like junior. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you. Thanks for watching. I hope they do another one. I mean, there's certainly those those penguins still have stuff going on, so. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Now it's time for Did You Get Our Picks? No, I'll tell you what we like, what we really, really
2: like. Yeah, tell me what you like, what you really, really like.
1: <laughs> hey, Meredith, let's do some picks.
2: Okay, Patton, what are your picks? Well, here's So my... tell me what you picked, what you really— No, they're going to okay,
1: play right. that song. You don't need to sing it every time. But I
2: like to sing. <gasps> I'm a singer.
1: Comics. My favorite comic book right now is happening over on Amy Mann's Instagram feed. She is planning on writing an autobiographical graphic novel, and she is doing like kind of rough pages for it, like almost prelude pages over on her Instagram feed um, that she is drawing and writing, and they are fascinating uh, little uh, moments from her past life, her minutiae of her daily life. I mean, she's really gotten into... Just, just graphic novels are in a really amazing way to tell um, stories. If you read stuff like Fun House, um, or TV's uh,
2: Fun House, n-
1: no, not that. No, no, I'm sorry, Fun Home. Ah, uh, uh, Al- see, Alice, Alison Bechdel's Fun Home Whew, is amazing. Also, um, uh, Stuck Rubber Baby, and I was uh, the thing I, the thing I loved was Monsters. Just incredible ways to tell, and of course, recently. The wonderfully banned uh, mouse uh, graphic novel, which uh, thanks, dumb Tennessee school board, you put it at the top of every bestseller list again, and everyone's reading it. So there Good. you go. I love when Streisand that effect. Mwah, thank you. Um, Why so, is it
2: the Streisand effect?
1: It's named after Barbara Streisand because there were uh, there was some kind of thing where uh, a geological survey or somebody was photographing the oh um, her the coast, house. and she was like, I she went out of her way and made a big stink about it. I want my house. Taken out of these photos, these aerial photos, and because she made such a big stink out of it, everyone went out of their way to find the photos (laughs) with their house in it, and it's called the Streisand Effect, and it happened again when um, they – South Park did an episode about Tom Cruise and Scientology, and he threw a fit. And had it banned in the U.K., he, like, demanded that they ban it in the U.K., banned which then— Banned what
2: in the U.K.? That
1: episode of—that specific episode of South Park, oh. he tried to have it suppressed, which then meant every single person in the U.K. went out of their way— To see it. —to BitTorrent, to download it. It's, like, the most watched episode. The Streisand effect.
2: Right. If you yeah. don't talk about it, people won't notice it.
1: Or if they, if, if if someone gives you—look, if you're famous, you're going to get criticism. Just go, yeah, okay. Yeah, fine. You just got to roll with it. Mm-hmm. As, as Doug Kenny said, roll with the bullets. So, um, but right now, Amy Mann is gearing up to do a graphic novel, and you can see her gearing up on her Instagram feed. It's amazing. I don't want to spoil any of it, but just read the little entries and it's it's like a, a graphic novel in embryo is happening before our eyes over on Amy Mann's Instagram feed. All right. Um, music. A uh, band called A Place to Bury Strangers. Honey, yeah. where do
2: you get all—who you? Where? How? Who told you about this band? How did you find this band? I, I'm
1: very lucky that I'm friends with people like Blanca Patch and Brian Posehn and um, Eddie Gorodetsky who are always sending me new music, new stuff to track down, like new connections. So and a just, friend told you. This was actually a courtesy of Frankie's Barbershop um, and Six City Records where I would go to get my haircut. He's always playing new stuff in the store. And uh... that's what I
2: like to do. Uh, Anytime I'm at a restaurant Mm -hmm. and this started a long time ago. And and when the um, app, the Shazam app was invented, where where you are someplace and you hear a song and then you have the little Shazam app on your phone and you press Mm -hmm. it and you hold it up to like hear the music and it tells you the song. That's Mm -hmm. my favorite app because you get to find out about so many great songs as you're Walking around in this world, but I've not been out of my house in a really long time, so I don't get to hear a lot of new music.
1: Well, um, Frankie's Barbershop, Six City Records in Silver Lake. I'm sitting there getting my hair cut, and I've discovered so many bands because of that store. Warm Soda and my beloved Bleached. I got my hair cut while they were playing Ride Your Heart, and I actually stayed when my haircut was done to just sit and listen to the whole album that he was playing in the store yeah, it was so yeah cuz you
2: a very short haircut it doesn't take a lot of time
1: no it, it barely co- my haircut barely covers one song barely so i sit a and, song. yeah but this uh, album by um uh, a place to bury strangers not a new album it's called pinned came out a few years ago but my god and it is very um 9 inch nails kind of um uh you know dissonant but still just pulls you in Oh, love it. Love it. So that's my music pick. Movies! New movie from the Adams family. Toby Poser, John Adams, their daughter. Um, oh my god, her name isn't Vera. What's her name? Zelda. Zelda. They're a family. They live in upstate New York. They do, they make these little super low-budget films with super tiny crews, and they're all amazing. They made one a few years ago called The Deeper You Dig that was amazing.
2: I heard about that movie. Yes,
1: and uh, they made a new one called Hellbender.
2: So these are scary.
1: Yes. Um, Hellbender is not so much scary as it's kind of poetic and tragic, but there are scenes in it that are like, oh, dear God. Um, Nothing ever really crazy violent, but very disturbing and eerie, Um, but also kind of beautiful. They know how to shoot stuff really beautifully, Um, and it's, again, it's a a husband, wife, and their daughter writing and making movies together, and they're amazing. Oh, my God.
2: You're a husband. I'm a wife. We have a daughter. We should make movies together. We should,
1: and it's streaming right now on Shudder. They've been making movies for a long time, and they're just, people are finally coming around to, oh, wait a minute. These guys are amazing. They have a company called Wonder Wheel Films, and they make this stuff, and they are fan- Fantastic. And which, nothing is more fun at the end of a Wonder Wheel film than the end credits, which are basically everyone that you just saw in the film is also the the focus puller. Oh, when you you watch the credits? They just do everything. So everyone that you've just seen did also did something in the movie. That's awesome. They keep it so tiny. And the movies look great, they look beautiful. So um, Hellbender, it's streaming on shutter right now. Oh my God. It's have, so good.
2: Have you ever been a crew person on anything? Have you ever been like the, like in a play, like behind the scenes or any of that kind no, of stuff? No, I
1: never did like crew
2: stuff. I mean, oh. I've been
1: on movies. I mean, when I was doing Big Fan, I was hauling equipment and, you know, helping set up because there was just no one else there. Yeah. I, I wasn't like, I'll be in my trailer. A, there was no trailer. <laughs> yeah. I was just sitting on set and then I'd go, well, can I help move stuff around? And although that's always, I, I heard that um, when Donald Pleasance was doing Halloween, when he started shooting it. This at the time this was a very low budget, new filmmaker. His agent said, "They you know they'll pay you this much money for a week. You know they have some financing." And he's like, "Fine, they shoot me for a week and I'm done." And then they said like after three days on the movie, he ended up like. Moving equipment around and talk like really loved the spirit of what they were doing. He was an established star at that point; like he had made been in major Hollywood movies. But he's like, "Oh, this is
2: well." There's that e-
1: energizing go- me again. Yeah, you know? the
2: guerrilla filmmaking of it all. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine, um, Carly Kimmel, wrote this amazing short film called Jellybean, mm-hmm. and she asked um, me and my friend Ever Carradine to star in it. Um, but there was all this equipment and stuff, and we had to, you know, we're holding everybody, sort of contributing to making it with yeah. them, because it's a it's a small little crew and um and when I was in college there's something called the hasty pudding. It, yeah, at yeah. Harvard they have two things. Um they have a theatrical part of the hasty pudding club and a social part of the hasty pudding club. And the hasty pudding was sort of like Le Cage a Faux. It was a sixteen male member cast. Right. And half the men dressed up as women mm-hmm. and half played men. It was right. the roles. They didn't yeah. let women act in it. Yeah. And maybe because it was a tradition and they didn't have women at Harvard for a long time until it went co-ed. But, um, yeah, the whole
1: beginning of the movie, the Matt Damon film, The Good Shepherd, takes place. It's a Hasty Pudding production where the men are dressed as women and blah, blah, blah. Oh.
2: Yeah. That's two movies he's done about Harvard. There you go. He was in my class. We were Harvard. Anyway, go ahead. Um, anyway, I was part of the Hasty Pudding Social Club, but that's an entirely separate thing. Um, but I was also part of the theatricals, but not as an actor. I was um, the costume girl. Oh, I told you this before, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I had to wash all the sweaty boys' mm-hmm. um, leotards. But just know
1: that when you're watching the movie Halloween, there's it's set in the fall in Indiana, and they shot it basically on Gardner Street in L.A. Mm-hmm. To, for Indiana, and they had to like collect all these fake brown leaves because it had to be in the fall. <laughs> and Donald Sutherland was out there with the crew, the like, college kids they were paying in beer. Yeah, but he's out there like gathering, and they're like, "Isn't
2: that Donald Pleasant's, like gathering up?" Don, you said Donald Sutherland. Did you mean Donald Pleasence?
1: Oh, my God. Donald Pleasance. I'm sorry. Well, you so said sorry. Pleasance
2: the second time, the first time you said. Or, I don't know. Maybe I heard you Donald wrong.
1: Pleasance. is oh. plays Dr. Loomis in uh, the uh, Halloween films. That's
2: cool that that family does those little guerrilla filmmaking things. They're I love so it. They're
1: so good, and they're so talented. This, this actress, Toby Poser, was, um, you know, she was doing soap operas and movies all through the 80s and 90s, and just was, and then met this guy, John Hancock former male model, but also really just a cool adventurer. Their Instagram feed is also awesome because they are doing what we're dreaming of doing. They outfitted a passenger van, and they travel around the country just doing stuff, and that's where they get the inspiration for their films.
2: Oh, yeah. You guys listening, have you seen those ads? um, Not ads. Have you been following any Instagram accounts with these couples (laughs) that love to travel around the world, and they take Sprinter vans, and they remodel the insides, and they make it look super cool, and you can like live in there and travel across the country and park wherever you want and just have your own little kitchen and your tiny little shower and your little bed and it's like that is a fantasy to me. A little tiny house or a little tiny van is a fantasy to me. Well
1: well go look at you can live in. Go follow Toby Poser's Facebook or Instagram accounts because they they chronicle their adventures and um, like everything that the Adams Family do, they just kind of jump out and do it, so uh, half of the pictures are, well, we're broken down, so we're trying to... And, and it, but you can tell they're make having fun doing all of it, and it's really great, so... Uh, those are my picks this week.
2: Those are lovely picks, Patton.
1: Thank you. Hey, another episode of Did You Get My Text has come to an end, but don't despair, because we're going to be back next week, and you're going to hear us, and we're going to hear your speak pipes,
2: keep your speak pipes coming in, and... um. Like everybody tells me to end this podcast by saying, see you next Tuesday. All right. Bye. This podcast is a production of Meredith Salinger and Patton Oswald.
1: In association with Starburns Audio. Executive producers are Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. And if you have questions for us,
2: send them to... Hey, did you get my text? At gmail.com. And don't forget, subscribe to this podcast. It's free, and it helps us get to keep making the show.